It is indefensible. What is happening in America right now, it's indefensible. The damage the Democrats, Joe Biden, have wrought. You can't defend this. You can't run on it. You can't have successful midterms for the Democrats if these issues are discussed fully and fairly. So they are desperately trying to change the subject. Oh, Donald Trump. Oh, look at this. Look at that. But whatever you do, try to forget what you're experiencing every single day. The bread and butter issues mean that America must, must change. They are desperately trying to prevent that from happening. But take a look for review. Crime out of control. Democrats made this happen. Okay, they did. They demonized the police. They gave encouragement to the criminals. Crime is out of control. They can't deny that. They can try to make us forget it. Not going to work. How about inflation? Hmm? Haven't seen this kind of inflation since, what, the Reagan administration? Gas prices. When is the last time anybody had to worry about gas prices? When President Trump was president, it wasn't an issue. Now, people are rearranging their lives because of gas prices. The border, we don't have a country if we don't have a border. And there's something very, very sinister going on with uh, this sudden migration. More on that in a moment. Afghanistan. America lost a war a year ago, and still (laughs) no one's talking about it. As far as changing the subject, it seems to have worked for the Democrats so far on Afghanistan. So far. How about Ukraine? Look, it's not the top issue on voters' minds, but people believe that if Donald Trump had remained in office, Putin never would have invaded Ukraine. That's huge. The supply chain still totally screwed up. Christmas is coming. And transportation issues? Have you tried flying somewhere? There's so much the Department of Transportation could be doing to get the airlines to serve the customer, but they're not. They don't even understand the power they have. This woke stuff, you think mainstream America feels woke? Really, middle of America, woke, critical race theory, All of these issues are obviously working against the party in power. Transgender rights for children? Are you kidding me? This does not sit well with America. Neither does the most unpopular president, I think, in American history. This is, uh, we need a change. So how can Democrats change this equation? Well, one way. It's a long-term fix, though, for them. Let in all kinds of people so they'll hopefully vote a certain way. Huh? Or maybe you can at least portray them as voting in a certain way. And, of course, giving away all kinds of free money. Um, but that's, that's risky, okay? may not work. So <laughs> what do you really do? Tonight, the stunning letter revealing more than 700 pages of classified material recovered from Donald Trump's home earlier this year. Oh, the National Archives letter. alleging some of the government's most highly guarded secrets were among 15 boxes Mr. Trump turned over in January. Highly regarded secrets in the hands the of a president. Oh, what we're learning. The National Archives is offering new insight this evening into the nature of classified documents 
National Archives, by the way, is a swamp institution that's been working against Trump since he became president. Today, the archives posting a letter sent to Trump lawyers earlier this year after the ex-president turned over 700 pages of classified documents. This is the same junk they pulled during Russia. The same junk they pulled during Russia, Russia, Russia. And tonight, new reporting by the New York Times about the August 8th search of Mr. Trump's home. Citing those briefed on the matter, it offers new characterizations of the number and sensitivity. How about this? A couple of leaks to the fake New York Times. Welker has late details. Tonight, stunning new revelations about those documents recovered from Mar-a-Lago. All right, let's be honest. Are you stunned? All right, this breathless reporting. And does it make sense? It's complicated on purpose, okay? Regular people don't follow this stuff, this minutia. They want it to be confusing on purpose, okay? It's all a game. We're not falling for it again. We're just not going to. And I know these people well enough to know that they are screwing with our president, especially those two people right there, Lester Holt and Kristen Welker, the anchor and the reporter. They both helped sabotage two debates, two debates. Oh, we need to talk about race relations. Oh, we need to talk about climate change. Get off the subject. Anything that was vulnerable to the Democrat, these two are co-conspirators. This is the way it works. Take Mr. Schneebly, as I call him, uh, a, uh, an intelligence uh, expert on Morning Joe this morning. Um, does this sound rational? If somebody, uh, Trump or anyone else, uh, has classified information and wants to profit from it or simply hand it over to a foreign power to the detriment of the United States, that's the most serious type of um, mishandling. It's really actually espionage. All right. St- you see what he did? Trump or anyone else. OK, Trump or anyone else. If they hand over classified material to a foreign country, that would be espionage. This is hype. This is distraction. This is distortion. This is dishonest stuff. And maybe it's all payback for reasons I don't fully understand. We got to put Chuck Schumer in front of some committee and find out what did he mean in January of 2017 when he said the intelligence community would try to take revenge against Donald Trump. He's taking these shots, this antagonism, this taunting to the intelligence community. you, You take on the intelligence community. They have six ways from Sunday at getting back at you. So even for a practical, supposedly hard-nosed businessman, he's being really dumb to do this. No, why would the intelligence community want to get back at a president? And getting back at a president, even if they don't like him, isn't that really harming the country? Would they harm the country to preserve themselves or to advance their own interests? Yes, they would. That's why we call it the swamp. All right. So those are the big, big issues. The one we started the show with this, uh, these documents, it is, it's phony. It really is. It's fake. Uh, there are some other fake issues as well, but finally they're being exposed. Remember this guy? You got people right now in front of the justice department asking to release some of the very same people to be released, even though we are testifying about the trauma and the agony, everything that happened to us. It's pathetic. And they shouldn't be elected officials anymore. Wow. Huh? Talk about 
high on his own supply, Officer Gunnell lecturing members of Congress, telling them that they should not be members of Congress if they disagree with him politically. Well, this guy is now a witness in certain trials. He wasn't cross-examined on Capitol Hill during these fake hearings, but now he's getting a taste of what cross-examination feels like. So Kyle Fitzsimmons uh, was there on January 6th. He's being charged with uh, all kinds of crimes. There he is in the in the red box there. Um, and Officer Gunnell says that this guy hurt him. I mean, hurt him really bad. Turns out, though, in testimony, Gunnell's story is not holding up. According to Cara Castronova and others, Gunnell just might have perjured himself in trial. And he was called out on it when he came out of the court. Mr. Gunnell just perjured himself all over the stand in there, guys. He's getting eight alive by the public defender. He's got an IQ of probably 80. Yeah, he's not that smart, so his lawyer has to tell him which lies to say on the stand. Every time he tells a lie, he gets a hard question. He has to look to that piece of trash lawyer to get the question. He lied about that on court today. So we are now seeing behind closed doors, it's a trial. This is the first cross-examination of any witness regarding January 6th. We've had so many hearings going back more than a year and no public cross-examination. Finally, we're seeing some. And we have to thank Natasha Taylor Smith. She's a federal public defender and an attorney. Um, public defenders, generally speaking, lean left politically. And maybe she does. Maybe she doesn't. Maybe we have a lot in common. Maybe we don't. It doesn't matter. She's working hard for her defendant. And that's how our system is supposed to work. And uh, I am grateful. I am so grateful that finally, finally, We've got somebody in the system sticking up for our side, or at least for uh, this defendant. I don't know what he did or didn't do, but I do know that everybody deserves a fair shake. And so many of the January Sixers haven't been getting a, a fair shake. And Ashley Babbitt, of course, we will not forget what happened to her. It's been 594 days without justice for Ashley Babbitt. So um, getting back to the most important issues affecting the country right now, from crime to transportation and the border. Remember, they can't run away from those issues and they can't pretend that Joe Biden is a good president. He's not. Everybody can see it. It is a huge, huge problem. Anything can happen in politics and the fake news. They want people to get nervous and maybe even stay home on Election Day if they can make certain candidates look uh, not all that great. Coming up, another effort to cancel Thomas Jefferson, one of our founding fathers. So it's been, what, 94? Today is the 94th day of vacation for Joe Biden. That's three months this year he's been on vacation. Is that three months this year? We're, what, eight months in? That's a lot of time. And Joe Biden, it's not even vacation. He's in seclusion, seclusion. There's an occasional bike uh, ride by, uh, but that's it. Very bizarre. They're keeping him under wraps because, well, when he emerges, he says things that are crazy and have to be walked back and he falls down. And uh, gosh, he hasn't done an interview with an American reporter since February 10th, February 10th. And uh, it's kind of like, well, Joe in the basement. Remember that? <laughs> it worked. It worked to get him elected, quote unquote, elected. And now this is how they're governing. The advantage of being in the basement, well, 
you were shielded from the rough and tumble of uh, of politics. I mean, reporters are actually proud of, uh, you know, the gauntlet they make these guys run through, both as candidates and as uh, elected officials. I'm a reporter first. I think that all of these candidates should be scrutinized. They should be asked tough questions. Journalists have the right to ask any questions of these presidential candidates or of anyone in public life. All candidates have to be tested and they have to be tested by the media and quite frankly i think it's a public service because that's the way it's going to be if they win the election uh not really (laughs) not really not for joe biden uh this this uh seclusion stuff is really strange i mean no other president did it this way barack obama even when he was on vacation he dropped by the marine base shake some hands from time to time he wasn't in total seclusion even bush when he was, uh, remember he'd chop wood and stuff like that and invite the reporters to look at him. And Trump, <laughs> he's addicted to people. He loves people. That's uh, Palm Beach. Uh, he went, didn't go on vacation. He had a private club that people could actually go to. This is very bizarre. Where is Joe? What's happening to him? Nobody really knows. All right. Hey, take a look at this school. It looks like a nice school. It actually looks like a, I don't know, a boarding school, but it's a public school in South Orange, New Jersey. It was the Thomas Jefferson School. They changed the name. All right. Now, (laughs) Thomas Jefferson had a lot going for him, right? Okay. Let's put his resume up. (laughs) He wrote the Declaration of Independence, first secretary of state, third president of the United States. He invented the polygraph. I didn't know that. And helped create the Library of Congress, and uh, he was an architect, and uh, a million other things. So the school has a policy, okay, that uh, they want to ensure and model an exclusive, welcoming, and respectful learning environment. And that has nothing to do with Thomas Jefferson, because uh, 250 years ago, he owned slaves. Like every other man, unfortunately, slavery is a grave sin, so... Anyway, so this person, this person, they'll name the school after her. Who is she? Delia Bolden is her name. What is her claim to fame? She graduated from high school. No kidding. Delia Bolden graduated from high school, uh, class of 1912. And, oh, in her commencement speech, she rather, by today's standards, it's pretty bizarre, came out against interracial marriage. I don't think that's very inclusive to you, but she said it. She said it in her in her speech. But because she graduated from high school and a woman of color, the kids wanted to name the school for her by Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson, Delia Bolden. Does that sound (laughs) is this am I hallucinating or what? Thomas Jefferson. At one point, Democrats acknowledged that this guy was quite a fellow. John F. Kennedy, when he hosted all the Nobel laureates at the White House in 1962, said this, I think this is the most extraordinary collection of talent of human knowledge that has ever been gathered at the White House, with the possible exception of when Thomas Jefferson dined alone at the White House. One brain equal to all that intellectual firepower. Wow, this is crazy stuff. Thomas Jefferson, canceling Thomas Jefferson. What does that mean for the rest of us? (laughs) Ordinary, normal people, if he doesn't stand a chance, this is insane. All right. It's election night in uh, at least two states tonight, and Sean Kreisman is standing by with more. 
Yeah, Greg, thanks so much. We are continuing to get numbers from New York. We have the ones from Florida. We'll get to those in just a bit. I want to start with New York, if I can. Uh, the one that a lot of folks are watching and maybe has national implications, Jerry Nadler, Carolyn Maloney, both have been in office serving together in the Democrat Party for 30 years, yet one has just lost their job. That's Carolyn Maloney. That race has been called. Uh, you can see that. Jer uh, Jerry Nadler, they're pulling out 56%. Two to one here uh, in, in this race against Carolyn Maloney. You may ask why these two incumbents are facing off. There was redistricting, essentially, uh, in the Upper West Side, the Upper East Side, uh, respectively, as you look at it. They were combined together pitting these two against each other. The New York Times, by the way, endorsed Jerry Nadler. Nadler was able to pull out this win. Uh, so this is a major moment. When you think about the early 90s, these two put in, again, the House to work, with, work together. One of them is now out. Carolyn Maloney, out of a job. Before I go from this, I just want to point this out. If you look here, you put these together, this race is going to be decided at the end of when it's all said and done, around 70,000 votes. Collectively, this is a population area in this district of about three-quarters of a million, 750,000. Very low voter turnout. That is something that you're going to see probably a lot on the, the political shows going on. But again, Jerry Nathan pulling that one out. I'll move on to this. Pat Ryan here and Marcus Molinaro. Uh, Pat Ryan, the Democrat. Marcus Molinaro, the Republican in this race. This one, though, special election there. District 19, uh, upstate New York, essentially uh, here. This was left by uh, Antonio Delgado, who's now the lieutenant governor there in New York. So it was a vacant seat. They're not going to serve long, at least in this capacity. But it could have been flipped. At this time, it hasn't been called, but it doesn't look like that's what's going to happen. He's Pat Ryan's up by 8,000 uh, votes at this time. We'll continue to follow this again. Looking at this special election, a lot of folks were watching. They said, hey, this is a bellwether. This is going to show us the political mood of where folks are at, uh, particularly, rather, uh, in New York. We know that Trump won this district by seven points in 2016, but Biden did so a little less than two points out there in 2020. All right, moving on here. Here we'll take you to New York. Maliotakis, endorsed by Trump. She won handily there with 79%. No issues uh, sailing through, again, her incumbency, keeping that one here. Max Rose, by the way, that one pulling out here. Democrat there. You may have heard that name uh, many times. But I want you to watch these numbers, these New York numbers. 15,000, 4,000. Where are everyone? Um, where is everyone, rather? We'll continue to follow that story. Again, only 32% of the vote in. But, again, a low turnout, at least what we've seen so far. Claudia Tenney, endorsed by by President Trump. She's leading here in her primary. This looks all but done as well. 74% of the votes are in there. Uh, she was uh, primaried by Mario Frato, but again, she looks to keep her seat. No issue there. 99% of the votes in here in District 23. Uh, Palladino and Langworthy. Again, Palladino's up there. Uh, a, a little more than 1,000 votes in this race. We'll continue to follow that as these get counted. Obviously, you've got early voting. You've got mail-in as well, absentee. So we'll follow that. Special election in the district between Republican, oh, rather, we're going to Florida. Okay. Charlie Crist, that is the big talker. Uh, 2006, Republican, he was the governor in Florida. He's a Democrat now. And guess what? He's going to be running for the exact same seat, only as a Democrat. 
against Ron DeSantis. This will happen in the general. That was major news there. A major defeat for Nikki Freed. Uh, major campaign. And then Val Demings, the last one I'll show you here. The big Senate race against Marco Rubio. She wins handily here, 84 percent, 1.2 million. Talk about voter turnout. Remember I showed you that in New York? Well, a lot different there in Florida. We're going to keep you covered with the latest results. More Greg Kelly reports right after this. You are on the go and need news now. No paywalls, no cable subscriptions. Just download the Newsmax app from your smartphone store. It's free. And watch Newsmax TV anytime, anywhere. All I can say is that the fake news just doesn't get it, do they? They don't. They don't. And boy, oh boy, when he said Donald Trump, the enemy of the people... He, uh, he had a really good point there, all right? The way they have demonized him, all right? And demonized those of us who support him, who like him. It's crazy stuff. So over the top. And they were lying every step of the way. Donald Trump stood on national television and said there were very fine people on both sides when one side had Nazis. He uttered those six words, the most disgraceful words the president spoken in my lifetime. Very fine people on both sides. Calling these folks fine people is a load of crap. They're not fine people. He said there were, quote, some very fine people on both sides. Very fine people on both sides. That's Joe Biden in his campaign announcement. His entire campaign, his entire presidency based on a lie. Maybe we'll call it the big lie because President Trump specifically said, I think we have to review this from time to time. OK, folks, it's important. President Trump specifically said he wasn't talking about the bad guys. You're changing culture and you had people and I'm not talking about the neo-Nazis and the white nationalists because they should be condemned totally. But you had many people in that group other than neo-Nazis and white nationalists. OK. All right. That's right where the famous both sides line happened. And he specifically said otherwise, right? They have, this is a lot of people don't even know this exists. And how about this stuff? This week, we learned that the president of the United States directed a months long criminal conspiracy to shake down Ukraine to get dirt on his political opponents. The president is not ruling out the possibility of accepting uh, dirt, if you will, or opposition research from uh, adversaries of the United States like Russia and China. He's in the business of trying to traffic in bogus dirt on his opponents at the expense of our national security. Isn't it obvious now, I mean, more obvious than ever, that they're lying, especially that Susan Rice, okay? It's all scripted. She's there to sell something. By the way, she's essentially running the country right now, Susan Rice, okay? So uh, Joe Biden, not only uh, looking for dirt, but he's using the Justice Department to pursue his political enemies, Donald Trump. He said so. He said so to many people, actually. Take a look at this in The New York Times. Garland faces growing pressure as January 6th investigation widens. That pressure coming from the president. He's let it known. Mr. Biden confided to his inner circle that he believed former President Donald J. Trump was a threat to democracy and should be prosecuted, according to two people familiar with his comments. The boss letting it be known that he wants the president prosecuted by his top prosecutor. 
That's bad stuff. You know, I think, though, I'm a little worried that it's being lost in everybody. So many people in our country are totally checked out. They're high. They're watching reality TV. You know this guy, James Klug? He's a comedian. He's terrific. I usually don't like these spots where they go out and find out that people don't know much about geography or whatever. But this one's great. And it's also disturbing at the same time. Jay Leno used to do it, but not as good as this guy. How many stars are on the United States flag? 103. 103? Yeah. Um, 32. What ocean is on the east side of the United States? What ocean? Can I Google it? (laughs) You guys know this. I know this. I don't know this. What country is the Queen of England from? I'm not a politics guy. I ain't gonna lie. I don't know. I really don't know. Just take a guess. Like, what country is the Queen of England from? Europe. I don't know. I don't know. I just took a guess. What's the capital of the United States? Um, the, um, there's a capital? What? Lexi. Take a guess. Um, um, I don't know. Uh, probably California. Yeah, that's right. It is? No. All right, so that's what people don't know. How about what they do know? This is possibly more disturbing. Who was the first president of the United States? Abraham Lincoln. Can you name the uh, three Kardashian sisters? Uh, Kim, Courtney, and Chloe. What are the three Kardashian sisters' names? Courtney, Kim, and Chloe. Chloe, Kim, Courtney, and Courtney. Yeah. Bonus points for the brother? Um, Robert. The Kardashian's brother's name. What? Rob. What are the Kardashian sisters' names? I don't even know. I ain't gonna lie. Don't know. That one, you get respect for me on that one. <laughs> Thanks to James Kluge. How about that? Courtney, Chloe, and Kim. Hey, good for them. They made billions of dollars, but they have kind of warped a generation of women and girls and a lot of men thinking that they can be Instagram superstars and make a lot of money. It's a, for 99.9999999% of the people, it's a great big waste of time. And something worse is OnlyFans. Have you heard about this stuff? Uh, yeah, uh, Kita, sorry, you're just a person with a phone or a computer. It's not valuable. You're not learning any skills. You know, in the old days, in the 80s, um, people who wanted to do this stuff were few and far between. And there was an option for them. Want to train to be a model or just look like one? Nobody does it better than Barbizon. Barbizon's 32-page book tells all about it. It's for men and women 13 and older. Copy your copy now. I don't model. I went to Barbizon for the look that helps any career. I don't model full-time, but Barbizon taught me how to make the most of me. I wanted to be a model. So that commercial was cheesy even then, right? And not too many people took this stuff seriously. Some did. Uh, But this other stuff is everywhere, everywhere, and it's a big problem. Hey, one more thing. Postcard from New York. The New York Times ran a semi-critical story of our mayor, Eric Adams. Eric Adams, after dark, a private table and tarnished friends. So Eric Adams is not much of a manager. He's not much of a politician. He's not much of anything, but he loves to party. 
is out there partying away night after night, even though the city is really going to hell. I mean, crime is up double digits, like 40 percent since he became mayor in January. But he does like the nightlife. And the New York Times figured out that he's going to the same restaurant every other night, a very expensive restaurant that's run by two of his friends, both of whom happen to be convicted felons. How about that? And they just opened the restaurant after he was elected mayor. Kind of weird. He gets very touchy when you ask him about it. I pay every bill. And so you say, well, why don't you give receipts? What mayor have you ever asked to get receipts for his private dinners? You can't have a rule for Eric and then a rule for everyone else. Some people allow that. I don't. I owe no one a receipt of a private dinner that I have with people in this city. And I'm not going to start being treated differently, and I won't accept that. Uh, yeah, well, maybe the U.S. attorney will, uh, won't accept your excuse. He's a public servant. You can't have people paying for his dinner. He makes $200,000 a year. He can't afford to live like this. We believe that something is seriously up with this guy. Keep an eye on him. Hey, we'll be back in a little bit. Representative Matt Gates just uh, renominated for his congressional seat. He was a shoo-in. Uh, great guy, great congressman coming up. News breaks every minute, every day. You need the app, the Newsmax app. Find it free on your smartphone store. Then watch us anytime, anywhere. And we're back with Congressman Matt Gates, Republican of Florida, who was just renominated a few moments ago uh, for his House seat. I, uh, you know, forgive me, I didn't uh, think that a guy like you had to worry about a primary, and I'm sure you didn't. Uh, how much did you win by? Do you know yet, Congressman? It looks like the margin will be around 45 points. So I call it, you know, a Liz Cheney-like margin, but good to be on the right side of it. <laughs> well, congratulations indeed. Um, we need you in Congress, and I'm glad that's happening. Hey, uh, Donald Trump, the FBI raid. I, I saw some fake news headlines. They're breathless. They're uh, talking about the document. It reminds me of Russia, Russia, Russia all over again. What's your take on all of this? Well, if the national security state is falsely accusing Donald Trump of being a spy, it's not even the first time they've done it. I've been to this movie before. I know that in secret courts, there are people willing to change evidence to try to get back at President Trump. And, you know, they, they really, I think, are doing this in anticipation of a midterm election where Democrats are going to face serious defeats. Uh, and I believe that this is galvanizing a lot of Republicans for President Trump. People are recognizing what phase of this conflict we are in within our country, where increasingly Every element of our government is weaponized against us, whether it's this bizarre FBI raid on a former president, 87,000 uh, new IRS agents, or even the ability that Democrats maintain for the Department of Education to have assault weapons, all this where they're trying to take very popular firearms away from the American people. So it's really all part of the same scary narrative. The good news is the fighting force within the Republican Party is ascendant. My primary win tonight shows that. 
Liz Cheney's loss shows that. So if we get the fighters and we get the majority and we can conduct the oversight, we will connect the pain people are feeling with the corrupt, bad decisions of this Biden government. You know, I would have loved to have seen you on the January 6th uh, committee panel. Uh, you were fantastic in the impeachment. There was no cross-examination. Nobody like you to uh, wage that fight. Um, let's say the Republicans do take over in November. What would you like to see? Would you like to see the January 6th committee uh, continued, but a real bipartisan affair? What are your thoughts? Well, remember, the January 6th committee has taken thousands of hours of depositions that they haven't released to people. I think a lot of that is going to be very helpful to President Trump and to the MAGA Republicans who have seen this government try to smear them from the legislative and executive branches. I want to know the extent of the federal government's own involvement in January 6th. What were the federal agents that we know were on the grounds on January 6th doing? Were, there, were they increasing any of the acuity? of criminality during that day. And I also want to look into the violations of people's civil rights who were used as pawns in a process where normally they would have been released or facing minor charges. But you saw a Department of Justice so eager to construct threats around the MAGA movement that they actually, I think, used uh, very different prosecutorial tools that you would otherwise see. And we have to look at that because we always have to stand up for everyone's civil rights. And we don't want the tyrants around the world pointing to Joe Biden and saying, well, look at what he does at Mar-a-Lago. Look at what he did to the J6 defendants. That justifies anything we do against our political opposition. We're supposed to be a shining light, not a sad example of a diminishing country with a diminished president. So uh, this might be awkward for you and other Republicans on Capitol Hill. Some of those Capitol police, I'm sorry, but uh, the way they testified, the things they said, one of them said that you and Marjorie Taylor Greene shouldn't be in office because you actually visited or tried to visit the January 6th prisoners. I thought his comments were totally outrageous. Um, would you consider looking at Capitol Hill police failures, and we all support cops, but there were major failures on January 6th by the Capitol Police. When will we have a full and fair accounting of that? The Capitol Police leadership serves at the pleasure of the Speaker of the House. And so when we change the Speaker of the House, my suspicion is there's going to be a lot of changes in the various and sundry positions where the Speaker has that authority to make personnel changes. And, you know, we don't let the Capitol Police decide who gets to be in Congress. That's the people all throughout the country. And, you know, I'd feel a lot better if people like Lauren Boebert were able to carry a firearm uh, inside the Capitol. Maybe that would keep us all more secure even than the Capitol Police. Also, I'm sure you're aware, Ashley Babbitt, uh, we, we talk about her every night. If uh, you and your colleagues would consider uh, she was shot right outside the House chamber, it looked to me like an unjustified shooting. I haven't seen too much of an appetite really to uh, pick up this issue. Um, what are your thoughts on Ashley Babbitt? And um, can we can we hope for a full accounting of what happened to her? We should. People are not supposed to die in the United States Capitol who are unarmed. I've met with Ashley Babbitt's mother twice, and uh, she's dogged to get answers regarding her daughter's death. I think there are a lot 
uh, there's a lot of information regarding the specific officer involved in that shooting that has been concealed from the public. And so if Republicans take control, and it appears as though we will, we have to repurpose the January 6th committee to get answers about the Ashley Babbitt shooting, to get answers about the federal government's involvement, and certainly to get answers about an inadequate response from Capitol Police and a response that I think had people unwittingly caught in maybe a technical legal violation, but certainly without the desire to violate any laws of our country. Uh, by the way, I think there's been total exoneration and possibly relief for your family. Your father, your family was targeted by an extortionist. That guy is going to jail. Uh, that's terrific. Uh, we've seen the pressure come down on you. And how do you feel about this, uh, this development? I'll tell you what, Greg, it's been a hell of a 48 hours. The person that was telling vicious lies about me is going to federal prison for five years, and I'm going back to the United States Congress for two years to hold the people accountable who I think have been weaponized against our great country. This person told lies about me. Those lies were repeated endlessly by a media that, you know, even a CNN director was caught on camera saying they were trying to propagandize my life because I'm effective. But I did not let them define me. I did not let them destroy me. I continued with my work on the Armed Services Committee to de-wokeify our great military and on the Judiciary Committee to fight for people's rights and against the deep state. And now here I am, overwhelmingly renominated by my party, poised to win a general election and able to say that, you know what, the people that were lying about me, they're going to prison. Those things were not true. And I look forward to continued uh, service to my constituents. Amazing. Amazing. I'm happy for you and I'm happy for our country that you're going back. Seriously, Matt Gates, Congressman, Republican of Florida. Thank you so much. Thank you, Greg. All right. We'll be right back. So Paul Pelosi, husband of Nancy Pelosi, you know about what happened to him, right? He got busted for drunk driving back in May, and he pleaded guilty today to DUI. There's the uh, mugshot. Yeah, not good. Let's see here. He got five days in jail, three years probation, required to pay $1,700 fine, attend a three-month drinking driver class, and an installation of an ignition interlock device. you got to take a breathalyzer test every time you go for a... Uh, a ride. Um, strange guy. Strange moment. Did you know that he was in an accident with his brother when he was a teenager? Um, Paul Pelosi was behind the wheel. The car flipped and his brother, tragically, David, just 19 years old, died in that mishap. Uh, drunk driving. I kind of I don't understand. Well, I know alcoholism. Believe me, I know about that. But sometimes it befuddles me. An 82 year old man who's worth $130 million. Nancy, separately, is worth $135 million. Number one, that they couldn't get a driver. He couldn't get a driver. And also, all that money, and it's not enough. You still got to take a hit. I understand. I, that does happen, but it does kind of confuse me. All right. Is this fair? Let us know. And stand by, because Sean Kreisman has more on tonight's election activities. 
Yeah, thank you so much, Greg. We are continuing to get those numbers in from New York and Florida. Again, those big calls to make. If you missed it, that big upset here, at least if uh, you were a voter of Carolyn Maloney or a longtime supporter, uh, Carolyn Maloney effectively out of a job, voted out. This after redistricting of the Upper East Side of Manhattan and the Upper West Side of Manhattan to one district here. There could only be one, and that would be Jerry Nadler there, winning it by their 44,000 votes for her uh, nearly 19,000 votes. Very interesting because the, and I pointed this out earlier, the New York Times endorsed Jerry Nadler. So it shows you how powerful that endorsement is as well. Uh, So he will be staying in his seat. Carolyn Maloney will be out at the end of her term. Again, 86% in, but that has been called. I'll take you to the special election in upstate New York, District 19. Why does this matter? Why does anyone care about this one if you're watching outside of New York? I'll tell you this. A lot of folks have been calling this election the bellwether election because you ha- you could have potentially had an upset here. Uh, if a Republican won, you would have had a flipped seat here. But Pat Ryan seems to be taking this one away here at just about 56 thousand votes. You've got 94,000 in. It hasn't been called just yet. You have the mail-in balloting, etc. That's got to come in. So we're going to continue to pay close attention to that. Uh, Joseph Simpolinski, uh, Max Delapia, again, this district here uh, is, uh, again, one that is neck and neck. If you take a look at these numbers, I mean, wow. And obviously it cannot be called yet. You were talking about 100 votes separating these two candidates in District 23. So this is going to be one that, that may last overnight. It will continue to be looked at again. Um, but that one, one to watch, probably the closest one of the night, but also this one. And we'll point this one out because Sean Maloney here uh, winning his primary, he is the chair of the, the DCCC. So essentially the, the, the highest ranking Democrat, if you will, in terms of campaigning there in New York, uh, beating out Alessandra Biagi. And if I'm correct on this, I believe Biagi has the endorsement of AOC uh, pushing more progressive candidates. Is this a rebuke of the far left or where the Democrat Democrat Party wants to go? Again, that can be analyzed as well. Sean Maloney yet again uh, pulling that one out. I'll take you to the Republican side here. Nicole Maliotakis there. She is the incumbent. She's saying where she is. Uh, this is 87 percent, and this has been called here. And this is, uh, again, another Trump endorsement and another win for President Trump. Max Rose handily winning his as well. Uh, this has been called as well, 75 percent there, uh, a major win for him. Congresswoman Claudia Tenney up next. She stays where she is, the incumbent, at least for now, 99% in. Still hasn't been called, but other networks have. We'll continue to follow that. But again, that looks like that's all but done to a Trump endorsement as well. So again, the incumbent should stay where she is. Staying in Florida here, Corey Mills, Anthony Sabatini, Corey Mills pulling this one out, 94% in, but he is going to move on to the general there in November. And of course, we focus there on uh, who is going to face off there. Anna Polina Luna, by the way, uh, winning her race as well. She goes to the general, but if we could skip ahead here uh, to the, I believe we have the uh, Charlie Chris, there it is. So a lot of folks wondering who's going to face off with DeSantis. It will be Charlie Chris. He was a Republican. He is now a Democrat. He'll face off again in November against DeSantis. All right, more Greg Kelly right after this. So it was primary day in New York and Florida. I still, <laughs> this kind of bothers me though. August 23rd. Folks, um, 
Labor Day is the end of summer. People are thinking about other things in August, not politics. It wasn't always like this in Florida and New York. You got to go back a ways, but in 2006, both of the primaries were after Labor Day. And uh, New York and Florida aren't the only ones. A whole mess of states have moved it to, um, to August. Minnesota, Wisconsin, Vermont, Connecticut, and many others. But look at where it was uh, back in 2002. They all moved from September to August. I believe this is a, basically a little bit of voter suppression. They don't want too many people coming out. They, the powers that be, the brokers, they want to be in charge, not the people. It's anti-democratic. I'd like to know more. I'll let you know what I find out. In the meantime, thanks for joining us. I'll see you tomorrow night. Many, many thanks.